0: which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and oughts in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! All right, everybody, I am here with, I'm super excited with Melody. Melody Bateman, my run coach. Also, Melody and I did a interview not too long ago. I'm trying to think. I don't have the episode number in my head right <laughs> off the bat. But I want to say it was maybe three months ago. If you're listening in real time to this episode, about three months, Melody, is that right? Something maybe 14, like that. Two and something half, like three that. months. Yeah. Yeah. I brought Melody in. I had some questions because I had recently... Switch my training to zone two training to wanting to implement 80-20. And so I kind of wanted her take on it. She's a run coach, has been for I don't know how many years, but I followed Melody online also, and she's in my Facebook running group also. And so I just kind of wanted to pick her brain on it. And here's what I really want to also share with everybody. I had read this article online that is called, let me just make sure that I get the title of the of the article correctly zone Two heart rate training for longevity and performance and i'm telling you if you have had a chance to, to read this article just like me you might feel a little bit like whoa now or never i gotta start implementing this because he's really kind of hammering home this this doctor the importance of of training in the right zones for good heart health and so i'll make sure in the show notes of this interview to share this article also so you can read it for yourself i ran it by melody i kind of wanted her take on it also so if there's anything you want to jump in and chat about melody feel free to do so but definitely what th- the two big takeaways for me in this and then i'll kind of turn it over to melody is that you know we want to train in the right zone for metabolic health and longevity and he says that training in zone two improves everything above and when we train in zone two. We train our aerobic fitness, which is really what we kind of want to train. And here's the the kicker, training in higher zones do not improve lower zone fitness. And I read this article, I remembered a couple of things that Melody had shared, one of them being that most runners don't run slow enough on their on their slow days or fast enough on their fast days. And so we all kind of end up in this zone three black hole, where there isn't, enough recovery happening and not enough progress happening I think in our in our speed zones right and so the the consequence of that becomes a little bit of plateauing poor recovery and we're just kind of on the hamster wheel of like what is going on here so I'm going to turn it over a little bit to Melody. Do you have anything to to chime in with there on that, Melody? I mean, I have a lot of things. I'm just trying to
1: decide <laughs> where to start. <laughs> so as far as what you were saying about this article and how when you work out in your zone two, it helps, it improves your zone three and zone four and zone five. But when you're it out in your zone four, or your zone five or your zone three, it's not improving your zone two. So let, let's maybe start by like, explaining that a little bit more. So the way I like to explain this is, and I, I said this in the last podcast, your zone two is you're building your base. Right. And I wish I had like a whiteboard so I could like draw a picture, but when you're in your zone two, this is where you're burning fat. uh, You're teaching your body how to burn fat. Right. And they call this like Matt Fitzgerald calls it the low-hanging fruit. It's super easy, super easy running, right? And anyway, so the low-hanging fruit is your zone two. And and this is building your aerobic base. So the more time you spend in zone two, I like to look at this as like like you're building a block tower. So your zone two, your block tower, your foundation is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger that foundation is, the more room you have to build on top of it. So if you don't build that lower foundation, that lower block zone, like let's say you just have one block, then you can only put one more block on top of that. So if you only have one block of zone two foundation, and now all of a sudden you're doing all this zone four, zone five work, it nothing's happening because you literally can only put one block on top of that.
0: That is such an awesome visual. I can totally see that. And I think the listeners can grasp that also it what also came to mind is the story of the three little pigs right that the first two pigs that are building their house out of straw and what the other one was is easy to you know to knock over whereas the the one that has a great foundation stands withstands everything right
1: exactly exactly yeah so the bigger that base is the more or another another analogy that I like to use this was on my post that you shared 8020 uh, running explained mm-hmm. I use the analogy of um zone two is like your pizza dough oh that's and right. then and then zone three four and five that's like a, your toppings on the pizza yeah so you can't you can't have pizza without the dough right you you have no there's nothing to put the toppings on if that doesn't exist but the toppings make it taste a lot better so it's all important it's all important so so that's that's how i would describe that And, and then like you said zone three the black hole zone and this is something we can dive in in too, as well, because we kind of talked about in the last episode how you don't touch Zone Three, but here's a secret: you actually do touch Zone Three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think we'll come into that in a little bit because okay. the next part of this episode, just for the listeners to know, kind of the the structure of the episode or the outline is that we'll go over some some facts so everybody's kind of on the same page, and then Melody will actually take you kind of through what she does as a run coach because since the interview. She became my run coach. And so we'll use my journey with Melody kind of as a, a way of explaining what happens as you go through the the stages of building your zone two foundation into doing 80-20 running. So I think we'll hit on the whole zone three there because that came up for me <laughs> when we were coaching. Yeah.
1: yeah it's it's always I feel like that always happens is, you know, you teach the basics of 80, 20 running and you know, you start doing it and then all of a sudden your coach is like, okay, run in zone three or okay, do this. And then, every, and then everyone's like, wait, 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 what? Like, this right. isn't what I thought it was. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah. So yeah, there are it's definitely, exceptions. yeah, definitely not as black and white as yeah.
0: so we all think. So you did a good job of explaining why we want to run in zone two, why it's important, Right. Now, one of the things I often hear from people that then try and do it on their own is, do I need to do everything in zone two when I build my base? And that was new for me. What you taught me that no.
1: So, so are you meaning like, it doesn't all have to be in zone two?
0: Do you encourage a little bit of polarized training, even in, you know, in In the beginning run for, yes, for instance, at the very end, for instance, just to keep a little bit of speed. So. So zone two doesn't all of a sudden feel hard.
1: For sure, for sure. So when you're building your base, it's 80% in zone two or zone one. Zone one is like your recovery runs. You're still building your base in zone one. But zone two is, that's where you're burning fat the most efficiently. One thing that I had you start doing is strides. And a stride is a 20 second burst. And um, the way you do a stride is you slowly ramp up your speed to about 80% of your max. So you're not going as hard as you possibly can, because then that stride turns into a sprint. And we don't want a sprint to mess up your zone two. So you're just, you're ramping up to about 80% of your max speed and then ramping back down to your zone two. Um, And that's just in 20 seconds. And um, what I recommend is, throwing in like three to six strides in every single easy run and the point of that is to um, first of all if you're feeling really tired and heavy which that can happen when you're running slow all the time it's a way to kind of wake up your brain and wake up your body and um, kind of pick up your pace and pick up your cadence for a minute and kind of get out of that slow trudgy run and it also just is a, a tiny taste of speed work. So your body remembers what it's like to run fast. One of the biggest mistakes that I see with, um, people doing 80, 20 running. And I made this mistake myself when I first started running is running in zone two too much, and you're not getting any speed work in. And what happens in that case is you actually will get slower. And then your, um, zone two pace is going to start feeling harder. Um, so you want to make sure that you're always throwing in that speed work. So anyway, strides is a great way to just get a little bit of taste of speed work, um, without messing up your heart rate zone. So you actually, you stay in, like, if you look at your average heart rate at the end of your run, you maintained your zone to the entire time, um, while throwing in those little, those little sprints. Versus
0: speed. Yeah. Versus yeah. Speed. Or those
1: little strides, not sprints. Right. Excuse me.
0: Right. Right. Yes. Um, and I just want to touch on that real quick because um and again it's what melody has really done a good job of of pointing out to me I came into this thinking very much it was very data driven and very scientific and very you know look at your smartwatch constantly and and let that track everything and she's kind of like no it's a little more art than science actually you know really more create and which is one of the things I really appreciate about it is create that body mind body connection that sense body sense of what's going on how is my breathing feeling today how is the whole body feeling right as opposed to just only looking at the watch and then thinking okay now it's telling me this I got to do this and not tuning in which is definitely you know something i Switched focus more on after after we talked about that also right, and I think another thing that was so interesting in what you're saying, you know, being a typical Type A personality, you tell me, well, do 20 seconds, and I'm like, well, maybe I should just do 30 seconds. Maybe I'll just do 30 <laughs> seconds. Maybe they will prepare me better for the next speed workout I had. And actually, I remember distinctly that one day I was out there doing it out of the four, I did the first one longer. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm going to check with her first. So I just did them regularly. And then we always have conversations in Margo Polo during the week. And I asked her and you were like, no, actually, I really only want you to do 20 seconds. So I just want to put that out there again. As so many (laughs) of us runners the type A personalities, we think more, 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 right? And it's part of this whole overarching concept of understanding zone two training and 80-20 training that no harder does not equal better necessarily, right? So right. I wanted to put it out there for everybody else who's sitting there like, let's just throw in 40 seconds now. Maybe I'll do a full minute, right. you know, if that's part of your training plan, clearly, but there's also a point to very short burst because like you said, then that maintains the heart rate average zone two as opposed to spiking it up into a higher zone which then does not improve the lower zones right
1: right and can i comment on that i love that that you brought that up because i've told you this working with you has been so enjoyable because it's like it's like looking in a mirror when when you first started 8020 running it just it made me laugh because i was like i know i was the same way when i first started doing it I'm also very, very type A, like follow the numbers. Math and science were my favorite, right? And I I looked at my heart rate. Like I would run like this, like looking at my watch the entire time, like not even paying <laughs> attention to where I'm going, right? <laughs> and it was just it was just really um like fun for me in the beginning when you're like, Well, what about this? What about this? And I was like, just listen to your body like just pay attention to how you feel and yeah. and i remember when i first started 8020 running that was so frustrating to me and i i got i got angry at my coach i was like do you even know what you're talking about like great. like i was like i've read all the 8020 books and i'm like but what you're telling me isn't making any sense but once you figure it out like you said once you figure out how to just tune into your body mm-hmm. and really listen to yourself 8020 running is a great kind of base kind of loose guideline but really your body knows best your body knows better than any book or any scientific formula does yeah
0: yeah no that's a really good point and and i think it's one of the reasons i really appreciate this approach because again it just reinforces the mind-body connection so much right which is mindful running ultimately also right Exactly. So, oh, yeah, that's cool. Very good. Let's see. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you if you had more in connection to all the intro that we just talked about, if you think um, the listener would benefit from knowing some more background info.
1: Sure. I do have one thing that I actually mm-hmm. did want to share this. This was like my big overall takeaway from reading that article that you sent me. Uh-huh. I feel like this... Like what I'm about to say, and, and also in the article, it really deconstructs um, like the trendy fitness culture right now. I feel like in in our culture, it's very much like, let's try to be as fast and as efficient as possible, right? And so I think a lot of people have in their heads that if I just work out harder, then I can burn the same amount of calories in less time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like 30 minutes, so I can be
0: on, I can be on to something else, right? Check, check, check yeah. next thing, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> I can get up, I can do my 30 minute hit workout, or I can go do my 30 minute, you know, run as hard as I can, come home, shower, get to work, um, mm. and then sit at my computer the rest of the day, right? right. Um, and granted, that's, um, it's better than not doing anything at all. Um, and, and the thing is, if and I know that this is kind of steering away from running. this. just, it's just, is just talking about like health and fitness in general. Um, but um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's pregnancy brain for you. I do that oh. a lot ever since <laughs> I got pregnant.
0: <laughs> Let's see if I can recap. Back, you were talking about the trendy culture of doing things fast, culture, harder. Doing really
1: fast Right, right. Okay. So if your goal is weight loss it is true you can burn the same amount of calories in the less less amount of time but if your goal is long-term health that actually because you're never in your zone two what's actually better is that you spend longer periods of time a lower heart rate intensity so what would actually be better than getting up and doing a 30 minute hit workout in the morning is if you actually didn't even do a workout that day and you just got up and went on a walk every hour. Uh, if you sit at your desk all day, that's going to be a lot more beneficial to your long term health than doing like a hit workout in the morning. So I feel like that's something that I wanted to say and just throw in there. That, I think that's kind of really shows... good
0: because I think I think you're right. I mean, just in hearing you saying it, I still have a little bit of like, hmm, that would go so against my intuitive approach to it. I'm not saying my intuitive approach at all is correct. It's very much conditioned <laughs> by Diet culture by fitness culture by, you know, I just when I think about all the the quotes that we see in the fitness culture, you know, it's all something about being hard on yourself or punishing yourself or kicking your own butt or along those lines, right? So I do appreciate that you point that out, actually, because I think he mentions in, in this article, also, he's like, ideally, you want to stay for about 45 minutes, at least you want to have a workout that long in zone two is what he's talking about, right? And so, what switching to to this type type of um, workouts also helped me see, and I just want to bring it up again for for the listeners is, I think it's much much healthier for us mentally and much more productive for us if we change our view our our workouts our runs in time as opposed to distance because what happens often is if we have a distance on the on the schedule we're going to try and cram it in as fast as we can six exactly. miles oh my word before work okay i better get after it so you're hammering it out as fast as you can right because you got to get the six miles in but you're not getting like you're saying you're not getting a uh quality workout when it comes to longevity in the same sense um, or or fitness building workout as if you just said, well, I'm gonna I have forty five minutes right now or I have an hour. I'm gonna go out for an hour and and do something, right?
1: Exactly. And that reduces your stress too. If you're like, oh shoot, Mm. six miles this morning, I have to do this really quick before work. Now all of a sudden, uh, you know, your fight or flight is already on before you start Mm. your run. And that's not a good way to start your day. Another reason uh, 80-20 running is so important is that it teaches you how to kind of go into Zen mode. You just know this is the amount of time that I have. And I'm just gonna do the best that I can with this time. And you want to um I'm trying to set if I want to bring this up. I've I've been comparing everything to like pregnancy and labor lately because that's where my brain is at. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I all right. Feel like I feel like um a lot of our listeners are female. So I feel like this is okay. But any well, and even if they're not female, it's fine. Anyways, but I feel like from what I've learned about birth, is I feel like you can take a fight or flight approach, um, or you can take you know the more hypno birthing like breathe through it approach, and I feel like it's kind of the same in running. Are you going to take this fight, fight and flight, or like learn how to breathe through it and slow down and be present? Don't let your body get into that fight or flight. And I I think that's it's a really powerful mind tool as well.
0: Very much so. And I mean, that's the kind of the overarching uh, philosophy of this podcast also, right? It's, you know, mindful running and getting into that stage, because the beauty of that is if you can do it in running, if you can teach yourself to do that in running, you can actually have it spill into all other areas of your life, ideally, right? And you just become, you know, a much more mindful person overall.
1: Exactly
0: very cool so one more thing before we go into talking a little bit about um the program that you created for me because again this is something that comes up um and maybe we did cover it but i mean i remember we talked about last interview something about when we run slower we cover less distance is it still a quality workout is it a better workout because we're running in zone two rather than for instance zone three and i guess from everything we've talked about we would say yes to that that it is a better workout right yeah.
1: Day? Yeah. And and the reason the biggest reason I like that approach is it allows you, again, to tune into your body and do the run that makes the most sense for your mind and your body that day. Now, that's mm. not you want to be careful that you're not letting yourself be lazy mm. and you choose to just walk the 45 minutes instead of run the 45 minutes. But it allows you to listen to your body and um, let's say you had a really hard workout the day before, or maybe your life stress is just more than it usually is. And you're just, you know, you're just tired to the core. It allows you to slow down a little bit and you're not stressed about getting the miles in. It's, it's more about quality over quantity. Right. Um, and then, and then it goes the other way too. If you're feeling really, really good and you're staying in your zone too, and then maybe you end up running um, even more miles, and mm-hmm. um, it just allows you to listen to your body and adapt yeah. to what your yeah. body needs that day. Yeah,
0: it's not a set it and forget it. It's really reading the body where the body is that day, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so let's chat a little bit about somebody like I signed up for, with you as a running client. What do clients go through when you on you know when you you set them up for a certain amount of foundation? Um, building and then what happens next and some of the thoughts maybe behind um, some of the runs that you pick and and whatnot. Um, Yeah. Why don't we start? Why don't we start with that? For sure. So
1: like any coach is going to say, it always depends on the athlete and the situation and how long they've been running for Of course, you're going to, you know, tailor the program to whoever you're working with and what their schedule is. Um but generally and their goal. Yeah. And their goal, of course. Right. So generally how it works is um so so here's the thing with 8020 running is you don't just hop right into 20% of your running is at high intensity. Because if you think about it, it, that's actually a lot of high intensity work. For example, if you're running um five hours a week, that's one entire hour being in your zone four or your zone five. And if if you've done 8020 running before, um you know how hard it is to like sustain a zone four zone five. Like, you know, one of the workouts that we've been doing is holding zone four for two minutes and then break zone four for two minutes and then break and And um, like, that's pretty challenging. Right. So getting an entire hour of that in when you haven't really been sprinting, that's too much for your body. So we start out with, I usually start out with more of like a 90 10 approach, or maybe Mm. even depending on how, where the athletes at maybe like a 95, percent approach. And we start with a lower amount of intensity. Um, but we do throw in the sprinting immediately, even if it's just strides. Like I, I do think it's super important that you are doing some kind of speed work all year round speed work. should never, ever stop. So anyway, so we start with either strides, really simple speed work as we build a base. So building our base just means more time on our feet, um, getting to a point where we're running more more miles comfortably every week. And then, um, again, depending on the athletes, um, I like to take them to – like, let's say their running base is like 15 miles a week before, um, maybe I'll take them up to like 30 miles a week. Um, if they're doing good, maybe 40 miles a week. Again, I'm, I'm going to say it depends so many times, <laughs> but anyway, so, acid, so, I, yeah. yeah. So I kind of get a rough idea in my head of like, okay, where do I want to get their base? Um. And this is just a side note. The kind of general rule of thumb is you want to increase your running base by 10 miles a year. So if you're running 30 miles consistently, the next year try to run 40 miles consistently. Next year try to get 50 miles consistently. Anyways, oh
0: interesting. I'm sure a lot of us, especially newer runners, we probably increase a lot more than that because then all of a sudden we're ramping into half marathons to full marathons. So yeah, that's right. And
1: and you can ramp it up a little bit faster as a new runner. I I feel like the first milestone is about 15 miles. You're running mm-hmm. 50 miles a week. And then you get up to like 20 and then up to 30. And then once you've hit about 30 miles a week, that's when it typically starts to get really heavy on your body right. and you want to start ramping up like pretty slow. Yeah. Um. So anyways, where was I? Oh yeah. So I kind of have an idea of where we take their base while starting to build up the speed work. Um. And the speed work we start off with, I actually usually start someone off in zone three. Um I remember and, that. And that
0: was one of my questions yep. to you. <laughs> yeah, wait you're like, wait a second. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: never touch this zone. And then the first speed workout I give you is in zone three. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I the thing is, you want to hit zone three before you hit zone four and zone five just to warm your body up to sprinting. Mm. So your first sprint workouts were in zone three. And then once we became a little bit more comfortable there, then we started throwing in zone four and then we started throwing in zone five. And where we're at now is we've built your base. We've been doing speed work once a week. We've built you up to zone four, zone five workouts. Um, now we haven't hit this yet, but the plan is to start doing uh, two speed workouts a week and bringing your miles down just a little bit. So mm-hmm. we brought you up to about 30 miles. So, What we'll do is we'll probably drop drop down to between 20, 25 miles and we'll start doing two speed workouts a week. Um, Another thing.
0: Can I just question one thing real there too, because I do appreciate that. And that has come in the last year or two for me also more quality over quantity because the type A personality in me would have said, well, if I'm up here for speed or for a distance, can not we just bring the speed up so that we're keeping Those two things up high, and I do appreciate the fact that no, if you ramp one other thing up, you then take the other one one of the metrics down a little bit, also, right? So it's not leaving behind that whole mentality of more is always better. I don't know why it's so hardwired in us, but it is. We always just assume more is better when it's it's
1: all us type A runners, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and there's a lot of us out there,
1: (laughs) yeah, for sure. Uh I definitely tracks type A people. So uh yeah, and that's something for me too when when I realized that um it was kind of hard when I was in the sp- specific training phase to ramp down my miles. And um for all of us who use Strava out there, it's you know, all of a sudden you're tracking twenty miles instead of thirty miles a week and yeah. and you're worried about looking. what everybody <laughs> <knows. Think. laughs> right oh. so it's you really have to learn how to um kind of swallow your pride and trust the process and not care what other mm. people think which mm. are also fantastic life lessons
0: and I would love to touch on that because I think yeah you know that is such a life lesson and I always like to talk about in the podcast here about when thoughts like these come up one thing is to just say I don't care about what other people think but really actually dial it inward and and Look for ourselves. What do we make it mean about ourselves? Because that's probably really where we're hung up. Our pride is getting in the way. All of a sudden, we're not the seller runner covering 120 miles a month. We've dropped it down. Maybe we're doing 80, and we're like, "Well, I was at the top of the leaderboards." I just want to put it out there for for the listeners. It's just a really good opportunity to just kind of check in with ourselves and not to uh, beat ourselves up over the fact that we might have a little bit of pride in it and whatnot just for awareness, I think, is that can often actually release things, just recognizing that, oh, I had some pride in that. Okay. And then almost naturally, it'll release rather than walking around, not having true awareness on it, not having acknowledged it to ourselves, and then just kind of being in a resistance mode towards it. And then actually maybe doing a little bit of your own kind of coaching and the whole thing as you're running, because you're, You know, you have so much pride invested in it that, you know, you might end up running farther than your coach is telling you or something. Right,
1: know. exactly. It's it's about letting yeah. letting the granny pass you on the trail cuz you're trying to stay in your zone too, right? Yes. Like <laughs> um yeah. let her let her pass you. Something that I I personally did because um I do care what people think a lot. I mean, we're all human, we all do, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Um but yeah. I I made my Strava private. So no one can see my workouts. And you can do me, that too. Yes. Yep, yeah, you don't have to post <laughs> on Strava. Right my my dad's a runner too and he gives me flack he he is a Strava junkie and he's like uh he's like make your Strava public or like I didn't see what you posted on Strava today and I'm like and you're never gonna see it because that's just (laughs) you know so you know you don't have to share your paces or things with people that's a very
0: good point yeah 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 um so you took me to where what we're doing for my running plan now is that we're going to scale back on distance because we're going to increase speed to, so just for the listeners to know, I run four times a week. Um, so we're going to up it to two of those four runs will be speed workouts.
1: Yes. And we're going to do that. Um, the specific phase. So, so let me back up a little bit and just explain the phases. So, um, every coach is going to do a little bit different. Um, but in general, the phases are, um, your base training and then you have your peak training or your specific training. And then you have the transition phase where you're, this is when you're, you're kind of taking a break. You're still being active. You're maintaining your fitness, but you're not following a plan like as strictly. Um, This is when you're doing like prehab rehab, getting ready for the next Mm -hmm. base phase. So base peak transition are, are the phases. So we've been in the base phase and Um, The kind of general rule of thumb for base phase, again, depending on your goal and your fitness level and such, um, is like 12 to 20 weeks-ish. And then peak phase is six to eight Um, so a lot shorter, but again, it's a lot more intense. And this is like, if you were training for a race right now, this would be, you know, six to eight weeks out from your race. And so now we're, one reason I like to call the peak phase, the specific phase is now we're doing workouts that are specific to your goal. So if you're doing a marathon um, we're going to be doing, we're going to be simulating, um, marathon effort, um, doing marathon race pace, if you're doing a mountain trail, we're going to be doing a lot more like hill tempo runs. Um, we're we're going to be mimicking your race. This is when we're going to be practicing the the food you're eating on race day. Um, what clothes are you going to wear on race day? What gear? Uh, so this is we're simulating race day as closely as we can. Um, and then, like I said, umping the, up, umping, upping the mm-hmm. intensity and dialing back. Uh, the miles. So that again, that's about six to eight weeks, then we have race day where you go all out. And then we're in the transition phase where we rehab, prehab rest. And this, this doesn't really have a certain amount of time. Um, Typically, you'll see for runners, um, you'll see like three months of the year is transition phase. Like two three months, that's when people will do prehab rehab and then get back into the base phase. Mm. Um, so so then that allows you to kind of recover, heal, think about okay what worked this season, what didn't work this season, and then we jump back into the base training.
0: Oh, interesting. So what what is transition training made up of? Is it less speed and less mileage then? Is or less distance? Is that typically what it's, it is?
1: Yeah, and and again, everyone does it a little bit different. The the way. I do it is um, transition phases, yes, less miles, less sprinting, but you are still running, you are still sprinting, just not as much. And you're focusing a lot more on strength work. For for ultra runners, because I train a lot of ultra runners, this, this can get a little bit complicated. I'm like, I don't want to get too complicated here. For ultra runners, speed work is a little bit different. And I actually have ultra runners do more speed work in this transition like off season phase, mm. because for ultra runners, it's so important that they're getting their mileage in for their one, you know, one hundred mile race that they don't have as much time to do speed work in the on season. Right. But yeah, so so you're running less and you're lifting and doing prehab rehab more, and then the base phase. Then we wrap it up again.
0: And then, so that's the cycle. Yeah,
1: that's the cycle. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: the cycle. Very cool. So share with. With me and the listeners a little bit about, um, you know, what you read from the feedback, I guess, from the runs, because I also know, and so you're the third run coach I've I've trained with, and mm-hmm. you're by far the, the one I have the most contact with, which is something I appreciate as, as a coach awesome. myself. I want to kind of have this weekly contact with, with my coach instead of just a plan. That's almost like I could just print it off myself from the internet. Right. And so- tell me or tell the listeners what are some things that you look for the qualitative feedback maybe I, I mean you can you can talk about the, the stats also but maybe more the qualitative feedback that you kind of gauge your app yeah,
1: yeah so I use an app called Trading Peaks and Trading Peaks will connect to your Garmin or your Apple Watch or your Coros whatever you choose I, I think Fitbit works with it too but I don't think mm. anyone I work with has Fitbit anyways and so I get all the data from each run. And honestly, the number one biggest thing that I look at is your average heart rate for the run. And sometimes I will look at your max heart rate as well. And then and I also look at the pace. So I like to just monitor and make sure that, you know, if you're doing 80-20 right, then we should see your paces getting faster and faster and your heart rate zone staying the same. So that's kind of what I look for there. So I look there and then this isn't the qualitative stuff, but I feel like this this is just as important, but I take that information. Then I look at the notes that my athletes leave. Like I felt good on this run, felt bad on this run. And then that's one reason I, I like Marco Polo and the consistent communication, um, I, I listen to your Marco Polos and just get your feedback on okay, how did that feel? What did I struggle with? And then I can kind of determine. I can maybe see like, oh, her heart rate was higher than it usually is, or her pace is a little bit slower. But then I listen to your Marco or, or read your comments and realize that it was you know 100 degrees and this humid, or you ran out of water, or or I had a really stressful day at work. And then I then I'm like, okay, well that makes sense. And then we can address that okay next time you're out like this is how you pack more water or this this is how many electrolytes you need or you know let's let's work in some like meditation or some yoga to help get that stress down from work so i really like to look at at both things so so the the numbers and then also talking to the athlete and seeing how they're feeling what's going on in their life um and and it, it's like a, it's like a big puzzle and also I'm like, I'm kind of scared to say this, but it's true, <laughs> um, but
0: <laughs> I'm curious,
1: <laughs> but a, a lot of what I do is like kind of intuitive. Like I said, it's, mm. it's a lot, it's more of an art than a science, although the science piece is extremely important. Um, You do need to understand it and pay attention to the numbers. Um, But a lot of it is like, like, I feel like this makes me sound really hippy dippy, but like listening to my clients and kind of like, getting their psyche and just kind of figuring out like uh, you, you kind of have to get into the client's mind too and and do stuff that makes them excited and makes them happy and and build a plan in a way that uh, makes sense to them and is going to keep them motivated and and so it's just kind of like connecting with the client too and kind of like feeling them out like feeling their energy and then and i kind of use that too to to build the program um
0: so I think kind of that's actually a big
1: mix of things. That's
0: probably your magic right there, and, and you should actually promote it because in reality, you know, that helps support the experience of the runner. And ultimately that'll impact, they'll even impact, you know, our our heart rate, our blood pressure, if you know, depending exactly. on how we feel and how excited we are about something, right? Um, exactly. So you should you should definitely include that. You know you should <laughs> announce should. that. Thankful <laughs> that you do that. Um, one thing, and and maybe we touched on it, I'm not sure, but I just wanted to bring it back up. Is you know something that you spend a lot of time really trying to educate people on, both in your in your post but also when we talked last time, and when I've talked with you and Margot Polo, has been this whole idea of rate of perceived effort. So again, mm-hmm. going off. Uh, no, not going off of, but ignoring the smartwatch and the, really bringing it back to rate of perceived effort. Where are you here? And th- this is how a zone matches up to a rate of perceived effort as far as you know, uh, you can talk and whatnot. And so again, that has also been really, I feel educational for me to try and and learn that because, of course, also how I perceive one thing can be different from how others perceive maybe something very similar. So but that has been really good learning, because again, it helps me connect my my mind body and again, continue to tune in to myself
1: for sure. And this is another like kind of intuitive thing, like lots of communication. But let me kind of go through the RPE zones. I think that that would yeah. be helpful. Yeah, let's do that. So RPE is ready to perceive exertion. So how hard does this feel to you? So zone 1 is like 1 to 2 effort out of 10. Uh zone 2 is like 3 to 4 out of 10. Zone 3 is um 5 to 6. 4 is 7 to 8 and then 5 is 8 to 10 max. Um so how how, how hard does it feel? I also kind of along those same lines what what we've talked a lot about is like are talking or, or are breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of another way you can look That's at true. it. So, yeah. so zone one is, um, super easy. You can have a conversation like me and you are having right now zone two, zone one and zone two can be a little bit hard to differentiate. Um, zone two is basically the same thing, but it's not as easy to talk. Like you're running, you're breathing, um, but you're still having a, an easy conversation and, and you can, you can go for a long time. Uh, zone three, this is when the conversation becomes uncomfortable. You can have a conversation. You can run in zone three for an hour, hour and a half and talk to someone the whole time, but it's just going to be uncomfortable. And you're breathing hard the whole time. Zone four is, um, you can maybe get one or two words out. And then zone five is you can't talk at all because you are going 110% as hard as you can. So that that's kind of the basis uh, that we go off of. And so with my athletes, I have, I have everyone go off of rate of perceived exertion. And then this is where, like I was saying, I communicate with my athletes, I pay attention to their heart rate zones and their paces. And um, based on a lot of things, I I can kind of figure out with my athletes, like, like, if they say, "I I really felt like this was a you know, three out of 10 zone two effort. Like that's really how it feels. But I've been paying attention to their heart rate zones and their paces. And I can kind of tell that they're probably in a zone three. Then that's when I'll be like, okay, so we need to kind of rewire the brain a little bit. And if you think you're running in a zone two, then I want you to run into zone one. And now that's your new mm-hmm. zone two. And so we we kind of figure that out. And then um that's usually what happens. A lot of times I also see, um, see the opposite where they're like, Oh, this feels super hard, but they're not quite in the zone that, that I want to see them in. And, and usually that just means more time building their base, getting more speed work in. Um, but, um, yeah. And then, and then eventually just like teaching the athlete, like what, like how to be honest with themselves and to really know what, what zone they're in just based off of how, how they're feeling. And then of course, without getting really complicated, there's lots of other factors too, like the heat, how much sleep you got, how
0: Absolutely. much water, yep.
1: etc. Yep. So yeah. Yeah.
0: All those yeah, environmental <laughs> and biological factors.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: <laughs> um, I would say for me, what has worked well, what I kind of gauge my zone two off of without, cause another thing Melody always says is don't look at your watch, figure it out, you know, by assessing yourself is through breathing. So I'm really focused on breathing through my nose and I know once that starts getting difficult and I have to kind of supplement through my mouth, I'm probably dipping into zone 3. And the article we've been referencing, I will make sure to link it in the show notes, but an interesting thing he mentions in there too is there is a point, a, a very subtle point where you t- you can tell that you have to do a little deeper of an inhale and what he talks about it talks about then is that that's when you actually dip into zone three but he also talks about how athletes even recreational athletes let's call ourselves athletes also even though we're not you know um, national champions or anything um have gotten so accustomed to train in zone three that we override that it seems hard we don't even it doesn't factor in because that's how it's always felt um so yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And so I guess maybe one of the last things I just want to touch on with you is, um, and I, I know I brought it up before, it this type of training is not a quick thing that you just kind of undo everything and then you figure out 80 20 in two months or something like that. Right. <laughs> kind of like with with a mindful lifestyle. It's kind of a lifestyle almost, I I find, right? And it, it the journey takes the time, the journey takes almost. It's almost like I don't know what the expression is with with grasshopper or whatever, right? I mean, it's almost that, (laughs) you know, it'll come to you as you put in the quality effort rather than, you know, trying to really just hammer it through or push it through in a needy kind of way, because you only came into it because you wanted to improve speed. Does that make sense? Do you agree?
1: I agree hundred percent. It definitely is a lifestyle. And It's like one of my favorite things about 8020 running is this allows you to like move and run and be active for your entire life. This is for Mm -hmm. people who want to be running marathons when they're 80 years old, you know, and we see these runners who they've been practicing this for years and years and years. So it does take time. And a lot of that is just like the physiological adaptations that your body needs to make. And you're right. It just, it doesn't happen overnight. And it really is an art that you um, need to practice. So you definitely need to be patient with yourself. And, you know, again, to the, to the type A runners, it's not this like, you know, just put your shoulder to the wheel and work as hard as you can. It's, yeah, you got to slow down, be, be patient, give yourself grace, be honest with yourself. And yeah, let it, I like how you put it, like, let it come to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Do we have any last comments? You think for the listeners, anything else you really think that is important? Obviously, I, think... I will leave all of Melody's info if you want to check her out. But she, you. if you're in my running group, also running aligned Body and Mind on Facebook, Melody's going to start doing a weekly kind of, what did we decide to call it? Like a run tip or something or a tip. From the I, run coach I, like, along
1: I like Tuesday tip. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday
0: <laughs> tip from the run coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think my last piece of advice that I like to leave is if you are wondering if you're running slow enough, run slower. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Especially if you're used to running in your zone three, just run slower.
0: Yep. Uh, Even slower. So we're going to leave it on that note. If you think you're running slow, run slower than that. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Melody. It was a pleasure. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world. Just one run at a time.